everyone, and welcome to Stace Spiels. I'm your host, Paige Kaufman. I'm an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. I am also an avid equestrian who brought her horse to college with her, a member of the Trojan Marching Band playing clarinet, and an active member of the USC Liquid Propulsion Laboratory, also known as LPL. This podcast will focus on culture and community within the aerospace industry. I will speak with a variety of fellow students, engineers, and scientists. I will get the inside scoops on my guests' recent projects and engineering backgrounds, while also discovering their favorite experiences and inside jokes. I hope you enjoy and fight on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Space Spiels. Today, we have an amazing interview with Michael Sola. Mike is a member of the Liquid Propulsion Laboratory, LPL, at USC with me. In this lab, we design and test liquid propulsion rocket engines. Mike was the Balerian RE, which stands for Responsible Engineer. Balerian is our largest engine in lab, and he was the RE with Charlie, who you will hear mentioned in this interview. Both of these men kind of took me under their wing and taught me a lot and made me feel at home in lab this uh, past semester, which was my first semester in lab. I now consider Mike to be a friend and a great mentor who I hopefully will continue to learn from, even though he just graduated USC with his master's in astronautical engineering. Mike amazes me as he worked a full-time job, got his master's degree, and worked in our lab constantly over the course of the last two years. So with this, he has a lot of experience and a lot of good information to share. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, we are here with Mike Sola. I can say his last name now. Yeah. Um, and this is our first episode of Space Spiels. Do you like the name? Sure. It sounds good. That wasn't very convincing. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's caught yet. We'll see. It's going to stick. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say, if I'm being honest. Well, yeah, that's the funny part. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike, we're going to start off this interview. What got you hooked on engineering? I mean, uh, that's actually hard because I didn't know I wanted to be an engineer for a long time. Why? Um, I originally wanted to be an architect because my grandfather did contracting for a really long time. And I worked with him on a few projects. I built stuff from helping him with decks to like installing doors and stuff like that. So originally <laughs> shadowing an architect in high school, I thought that was the most boring job I've ever had. Installing doors didn't have you <laughs> No, super no. When I shadowed, I shadowed an architect in high school and they were it was just like here's the draft board and I was like this sounds really boring. And I was like they don't do any of the engineering stuff. There's no math involved. It's just like kind of this is how it works. Mm-hmm. So you have slight maths with like measurements, but it wasn't very in depth. I was like, well, I'm a super deep thinker. This is what I want. So I just kind of floated the idea of engineering for a while. Uh, took a CAD class, aced every homework assignment. Oh, to wow. The, to in the, high school? Yeah. Oh, to, I still don't know how to CAD. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> my teacher, I went to my teacher. I was like, so is there anything I could do to improve my grade? He goes, Mike, if I can give you a higher grade, you wouldn't be here. Oh. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, yeah, go home. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So. I love it. And then I um, ended up going into my first tours at college. I toured my very first school at as UMass Lowell. Um, okay. For those who don't know, U- University of Massachusetts Lowell. Um, not the best school. Like they had a cool like presentation, all the clubs are there. Mm-hmm. Like I liked talking to people. Wasn't for me. 
Um, then I moved in, I was originally like going to um, mechanical engineering. I moved to my next school, which was Daniel Webster College. And the first thing they do is they hand you a pamphlet. Here's your- Is that in Aaron Massachusetts Auckland. too? No, this is in New Hampshire. So, oh, so okay, Daniel Webster okay. College is in Nashville, New Hampshire. Um, it's no longer here, it was part of ITT. So when ITT went under, it also went under. Um, I then visited the school, they hand you, here's aeronautical engineering, blah, blah, blah. Here's the pamphlet, here's what AIAA does. And then they go, okay, so everyone go to the labs if you're mechanical and the hangar if you're an aero. And I was like, what's the hangar? <laughs> <laughs> so we walked in front of the plane and the first thing they say is, this is what we do our flight tests in. And I was like, sold. I don't know what that is, but I'm sold. So that's what got me started. And I was like, well, I don't really know what aero is, but I want to figure it out. So it was really oh, cool. Oh, what a good story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that was so good. Okay. And then you went there, right? Yeah, so Did you do I, Arrow? Yeah, I started in Arrow. Um, I originally wanted to do a dual major because the way our curriculum was written, you only had to take one extra class and you can get both a degree in aeronautical and mechanical engineering. Um, and there were courses you could double dip in, so one counted for both uh, electives. Mm. Unfortunately, I ran out of money. Uh, FAPSA, being amazing as it is, yeah. did not give me everything. So I got my aero degree, and um, I just happened to do a whole lot of flight testing there, which was really fun. Did you do like anything like LPL outside of uh, class? For um, my undergrad or yeah, my graduate? Yeah, for undergrad. For undergrad, um, I started as one of the leads for the power team under our, our DBF team. So I didn't do anything first year. I commuted first year. It was too much to go back and yeah. forth. And then my second year, I, didn't, I wasn't working then, so then I ended up becoming um, one of the project leads on the power team, so anything that had to do with um, our batteries and our prop, so any propeller, propellers. Wow. So we had to size the propeller, know how much batteries we need, how, if we're gonna model it, do we model it in series or in parallel? So like we had to know like how much power we'll have so that the airplane doesn't fall out of the sky. Um, Important. About halfway through the semester, I got hired on as an RA because somebody was uh. leaving, and I was like, well, can't do oh, both. Right. Yeah. So then I became an RA and kind of phased out a little bit. Um, yeah. That year we were doing a biplane, um, and it crashed, so we ended up not going. Oh. So either way, it was it's not a project that I actually finished with. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end of it, I didn't end up doing a lot of projects outside of what we did in class, uh, primarily because I was just too busy. Um, after yeah. my sophomore year, I started with the RA job, which was helpful, and then I got a tutoring job, and then I got a second tutoring job, and then I worked at um, Christmas Tree Shop, which is like a, oh. yeah, I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but it's like a small little like tchotchke shop that has different like stuff in it, and I worked in the back. Okay. So, very non-personable <laughs> wow, yeah. role, so it's just like a lot of work to get through school. <laughs> yeah, you graduated undergrad, and yeah. then you started to work, right? Yeah, so. Did you go right into the. Pratt & Whitney? Yeah. Did no, you? I didn't. Really? Yeah, I didn't. <clears throat> I actually struggled to find a job for a while. Um, my my GPA wasn't as high. <clears throat> I mean, most most engineers would say that you'd have a 3.5 or 3.7 is like the best. Anything higher is just bonus. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't me. I, yeah. I stuck at <laughs> I have a feeling that won't be me either. Yeah, it's a 3.31-ish, whatever. Uh, so I was struggling to find a job. I found a job at a company called Belcan. Or no, let's go back even further. So right after school, I found a part-time job at a, it was like a, I don't even know what they were, but they focused on um, infrared technology. So if you, the way he explained it in the interview was, 
think of paprika, sometimes the manufacturing of paprika is often... The spice? Yeah, the spice. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So think of the spice, and sometimes what they would do is they would, um, if it's not checked by certain facilities, would put brick dust in it because it looks identical. Oh, So God. what you would do is you could say, like, well, uh, paprika gives off this specific, this specific light, so you can use an infrared, an infrometer, see what kind of light gives off. Oh, this is not fully paprika, what's in it? Well, it must be brick dust or something that's not edible. So then you would know these, these are contaminated. So stuff like that. It's actually really cool technology. They're trying to take it from, typically this would be done in a machine that's the size of a table, and they put it in the size of a suitcase. Okay. So they miniaturized it, which is really cool. So I was part of the source development there. Basically, their light source. So I developed a stand that could test their light sources. Oh, uh, wow. So that was cool. Um, entirely independent, which was really cool. Yeah. Like the quote-unquote head of engineering, which was we were like five people. Oh, wow. This company. Really? this company was tiny. Um, they're really cool. I really liked working for them. Yeah. Um, it was just not enough hours and not enough money. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then. So uh, how long were you with them? It was actually only two months. Oh, I stayed oh, for them okay. for about two months. Um, I reached out to a couple of people looking for like a full-time gig mm -hmm. and somebody from Belkin, um, uh, they're called Belkin Corporation. They're more outsourcing for aerospace companies in the Northeast area and I think Midwest. So they, I had a, uh, an alumni and a bunch of us worked there, which was super interesting because I didn't know that a lot of Daniel Webster graduates went there. Yeah. Um, and I said, where'd you end up? And they were like, oh, we're, we're at Belkin. I was like, are you guys looking to hire? And they said, yeah, send me your resume. Within the week, I had the interview, oh. um, and I got the job at the like right after the interview. I left the I left the parking the like the parking lot. I almost got home, and they said, "Oh, that's so nice." So that was great. Um, and <clears throat> what was really cool about them is I got like my first look at what a turbo machinery is or what a jet engine is. Mm -hmm. So they have you go through the same engineering like trainings that some of the engineers that we were working with at Pratt and Whitney go through. So. I went to a training on the general familiarization course is what it's called for jet engines. Funny enough, if you're an aeronautical engineer and you're sitting there through a propulsion class, it's literally that, but simplified <laughs> for business people. So you're sitting there like, I'm so bored. <laughs> I, know I just want to stop being here. But at the end of the day, you got to go and see the actual engine. So what was well, cool, cool about the course is they, they took it apart for you and they said, all right, I want you to go put the fan blade back in. And that was awesome. Yeah. Um, being able to touch the machines is really cool. Yeah. And um, believe it or not, compressor blades, I, I don't know if like anybody is familiar with it, but the last compressor blade size, no bigger than an eraser. They're wow. tiny. Huh. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it was really cool at Belcan. I got to do a lot of like the trainings. I ended up being like head of training for certain areas. So. We got a new person and often it would take like a week to get your, your not your clearance, but access to all the drives. And then mm -hmm. you have to look and make sure all of your computer stuff is set up. But then while you were doing that, you could still do some work. Uh, so what I did was I worked on the training and we took it from a month and I got it down to a week. So oh as God. soon as they got You're their stuff, they, they understand what to do in a week. And that wow. was cool because I onboarded someone. She left the company a couple months later, but she knew about it. And that was really cool to see, like, it actually worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Were you working with any friends from school? Or yeah, we anywhere? had one, two, three, four, and me. Five alumni in, wow. in the same two college. classes. So the class before me and, the, and my class, five of us worked there. Oh, so that was really cool. cool. That's very cool. Um, a lot of us are actually not there anymore. So two people stayed, one person 
really likes where he is, and the other person uh, is an international student, so he wasn't, or no, he's not international, he's a dual citizen. So okay. he can't work on ITAR related stuff. So they, he did look into going into like the F-35 program, um, but unfortunately that <coughs> creates barriers. Yeah. <coughs> so yeah, much more documentation than mm. I wanted to, and a lot more Excel than I appreciated. <laughs> oh yeah, good yeah. old Excel. Yeah. Um, okay, and then you moved to Pratt & Whitney, and what was that like? It was kind of, drinking from a fire hose was the first thing that happened. Oh so, my god. without explaining too much, because I can't explain everything, um, I gotta prevent IP, that's, that's yes, first. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, an issue happened at a shop, so a maintenance center, okay. that maintains the jet engines. I can't say where, um, and I can't say what they did, but it caused what's called, um, it's kind of like a warranty but instead of a warranty, it's you're grounded. If you if you left that shop in this amount of time, you ground your airplane, you gotta send the, the engine back. Oh, okay. Because they did something that they weren't supposed to and now they have to repair it and inspect it again. That guy was fired. That's all I know is that he was fired. Okay. Or they didn't explain a fire. They just said he was walked off site. He was fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow. Um, so what was interesting is that happened within the first week that I started. So I started and my boss goes, you're about to learn trial by fire. And I was like, what happened? He goes, a few of your engines were part of this issue. And I was like, great. Knowing what it was, because I did my research at Pratt Whitney and what they did. Yeah. I was familiar with the team already. Yeah. We sat there and I was like, this is intense. <laughs> So what was cool is we got to like, it, we didn't get to do the investigation. That wasn't our team's pro yeah. <clears throat> prerogative. But what our focus was, was trying to figure out like how to repair the engines. Do we put it all back together? If we take it all apart, who pays for that? Yeah. So stuff like that. Um, that was really interesting at first, but then a lot of it was learning how to maintain an engine. Um, a lot harder than you think it is. Um, and a lot more goes into it from like the business side. These than, are engines on planes, right? Yeah, are they commercial planes. or just They're like, all commercial, yeah. Okay. So I was part of what's called the V2500 engine team. Um, particularly my organization was called PPE and cost. So we dealt with how does the engine get maintained from a cost perspective while also taking considerations of how to repair it. So very much in the business side. Um, I left because I wanted to do more engineering work and I don't think my scope of work at the company was what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So very cool stuff on how to like repair an engine, but more business-like rather than engineering. Yeah, gotcha. And how long were you there until you started to go to SE? So I started <clears throat> in 2019. Um, pandemic started in 2020, as we all know. Right. And we were, we were grounded for a couple months. Oh. So I spent a good amount of time doing just studying, like, what do I want to do? I don't know if Pratt Whitney's for me. So mm -hmm. I'm in the first year, so I'll stick it out regardless, but let's try to figure out what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I realized that space was something that I wanted to do in 2021 when we launched from Pad 39A for the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. Bob and Doug, I think it was. Yeah, SpaceX. Bob and yeah. Doug. <laughs> so I saw that and I was like, I think if SpaceX is doing commercial space flight for human space flight, I know that the space industry is going to be better. So I wanted to go into that. Um, so in 2020, I applied to USC the first time. I applied to AME and ASTE, and I got denied from both. So really, yeah, I, didn't know that. I got denied from both. And <clears throat> with that, I said, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. And then I reached out to an, the alumni network, 
because you can talk, you can do a Trojan talk. And I said, mm. what are they looking for? How do you get in? Did you like the ASTE program? He said he loved it, very cool. The Aerospace Corporation treated him well. Um, and he told me about the GEM Fellowship because I reached out to him and he goes, are you Hispanic? And I was like, yeah, and I'm Puerto Rican. And he goes, have you thought about the GEM Fellowship? And I said, what's that? And he gave me the link and he said, apply for it, it's worth it. So I went to my coworkers, all of which I worked very closely with, um, basically at Pratt Whitney, mm-hmm. um, two of which were Hispanic, which was really awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Um, one of which was a US person within the time I, I was working with her. So she became a US person like when I started. So oh, that was really wow. cool to see. Um, so I, I talked to her and, and a couple of my mentors about it. They gave me recommendations. And what's cool about the GEM Fellowship is that's it. You write your statement of purpose, which is kind of everywhere, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but you write it as if you're applying to a school. So that's really cool. So it's you oh, meant okay. I was meant to send it to USC, mm-hmm. and I could just give it to the GEM Fellowship program. Okay. And then I was sponsored by USC. I didn't get sponsorship from a company, so USC did it for themselves, and they basically USC is paying for my education. Wow. So that was really After cool. you didn't get in originally. Yeah. That's so that sick. was really cool. Oh, um, wow. un- I didn't know this the first time, but I was unconditionally accepted, or conditionally accepted. So if I didn't get a 3.0, I would have to leave the program. Mm. Um, granted, that's kind of the shtick of the program. If you don't get 3.0 yeah. in the master's program, it's, they talk to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I got a 3.0 in my first semester, and it's been going up ever since, thank God. Good. <laughs> and you're working, yeah, that's yeah. nuts. Um, do you like have mentors in that fellowship? I think, it's less of mentorship and more relationships. Mm. So I built a lot of relationships with some of the GEM fellows. Cisco, uh, Cisco uh, Francisco Razo is also a GEM fellow for oh, I didn't know uh, at LPL. Um, so I talked to him a lot about it, um, and we have a spot. We have like a contact who has moved more closer to the students at USC instead of going to schools mm. to recruit. Um, he uh, his name is Kevin. He's wonderful. Um, anytime I had a question about the GEM fellowship. He was always super supportive. I can't take an extra class in the summer, but they make exceptions due to certain situations. So I was given kind of a pass, if you will, because three classes, as you know, plus working full time and doing lab is a lot. Um, I chose to do that though, so I will say I dug (laughs) my own grave on that, but it was really cool to be able to be in lab, so I don't regret it. (laughs) Yeah, good. How the heck did you balance everything? Because that was. You oh knew I God. was going there. Yeah, you, you got it. <laughs> I need I need that advice. So honestly, um, you have to just be okay with not sleeping. And yeah. I know that's uh, I know that's like everyone says it, but in reality, like you regret you regret how much you don't get it. So like there are days. If the first semester I went to grad school, um, or I guess the before the first semester, I took a class on purpose, and I said I want to know. No, it was just somewhere else. Um, I took like a, it was a master class because I wanted to know, I wanted to use like some sort of money. I had like saved Mm -hmm. some and I wanted to see what it was like to go from not working or working, not going to school to working and going to school. Right. Um, And it was a design class. I purposely did that so that it was really hard. It was Mark Rober's design class. It was actually really fun. It was meant to be something just like fun, nothing super in-depth. Right. Um, I realized really early on that you don't get to spend time with friends. I went back and I started working on my projects. I went back and it wasn't like, it was all homework based, no mm-hmm. tests or anything, but like you had to design it and he gave you deadlines. So I figured out how to 
time managed there, and I failed a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. But I failed in something that doesn't actually matter. So that was really cool. Right. So I knew that, well, if I fail here, I just got to make sure I don't do that when I get to school. Right. So when I got to my first semester, I said, I'm going to take three classes. They're really fundamentals. I chose fundamental courses on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and I still didn't do well. I couldn't balance three classes and everything I wanted to do. And I wasn't as involved in LPL then. Mm -hmm. So I just knew that three classes was too much. Um, but for my advice for you, <clears throat> there are days when I'd be done with dinner, it'd be seven. I finished one homework assignment, nothing's due for another day and a half. I still can't go to bed. I yeah. still have to get a other assignment that's due a little bit after that because that takes more time. So I would stay up till 11 every day. And it was 11 every day. And back then, um, working remotely at Pratt & Whitney, they forced us into, everyone who was working remote had to accommodate the East Coast time zone. Right. Not fun. Some people got on at 10 a.m., some people got on super early. I was one of the early ones. So yeah. I started work at four Sundays. And Gosh. it wouldn't end till two, so it would be a lot. And yeah. I'm not gonna lie, there were certain lunch breaks where I said, I'm going to bed, I can't do it. Yeah. So knowing where your limits are is really important. Um, that's hard to, it's humbling. Humbling in like, in a way that only you are gonna know it's humbling, yeah. but it's still humbling. Like, I just can't do this homework right now. I have to go to bed. Tomorrow's gonna suck, but I can't do it. And I, yeah. my mind is too busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that intimidates me. That <laughs> yeah. scares me. Which that is was fine. like, yeah, that was junior year of high school for me, and I was like, I cannot do this again. Mm -hmm. um, I might have to do it again next semester. I so. think it just depends we'll on see. how you want to do it. Mm -hmm. So you have to know what you want to do and what are you chasing. And I mean it in less of a motivational speaker way, but more in a what are you trying to get out of school? Because at the end of the day, like everyone's trying to get a job. Right. Commercialism as it is, mm -hmm. you get a job. But when it comes to like your education, learning what you want to learn at school is just as important as learning what you need to learn at school. Mm. Everyone needs to take dynamics. You're not getting out of your engineering degree without taking <laughs> dynamics. So that right is required now. of you. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you don't take thermodynamics, you cannot be an engineer. So yeah. stuff like that, that's fine. You're going to have to take those. But all your electives are really important. Those are like, what do you really want to do? Yeah. I regret not taking heat transfer. I walked into rocket propulsion for the first time at USC in my first semester, and I had no idea what heat transfer was. Do I regret that? Absolutely. I probably should have learned that a little bit <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. But you eventually catch on, and you, you have to learn things that you're not educated in. And that's kind of the master's program that I've noticed in all schools from asking questions is like sometimes you just don't know something, yeah. and you're in a class that requires it. Would you have learned that? Probably. Could you have? Probably not, because of where you chose in your, in right. your degree. So that's fine. Right. Just learn it. <laughs> you have a degree yeah. as an undergrad. When you're in your master's, you now have the tools to go and find out what you need to know. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, reading books is awful as it is some days for engineers to do. You got to <laughs> do it. <laughs> OK. OK. What are your book recs? Um, it depends on the class. Like what do you want to know? Textbooks? Yeah, textbooks. Oh, you got to no. read the textbook. <laughs> Sometimes reading the textbook is required. Oh, like no. when I was in combustion, I sat there and a lot of us, we, we only had four homework assignments. So the whole semester was you were working on a really long homework assignment, oh, wow. which is fine. Sometimes it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I support it to a certain degree. Um, but there were certain problems like within the homework assignment 
that I had no idea where it was coming from. Like his notes weren't, ex were not expansive. I listened to the lecture three times. I said, where does this equation come from? Mm -hmm. And I found it in the book. And it was, this is how it's broken down. This is why it's like that. And then I didn't have to do the derivation. I just figured it out, found out, okay, right. so this is where this comes from. I know what this means. Now I can go do the homework and it's, and actually, so it's gonna happen out. It's not a big deal. Oh, so it saves okay. time, but it's also part of learning. The yeah. learning part is what everyone struggles with. How do you learn this right now? Mm -hmm. Well, you can't learn it in five seconds. No one can. Yep. So what do you have to do to make sure that you can do it as quickly as possible? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like time. That's yeah. like the, it seems counterintuitive to have to spend time to read. Mm -hmm. And then it takes less time to do the homework. That's the same thing. Like it takes less energy to not pay attention during lecture, but mm -hmm. it saves you a lot of time yeah. if you do, which is something that I have learned as well when exactly. I'm tired and don't want to. Um, I mean, yeah. because we have DEN, I mean, I know USC has one version of whatever other school has. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't go to lecture. Sometimes I just wouldn't. Yeah. Not because I can't, because sometimes they were late at night, and that's hard for me sometimes. Yeah. But honestly, if I could just watch it later, I'll just watch it later. Yeah. Like sometimes if I need it for homework assignments, like, okay, probably should go to this one. But mm -hmm. if I didn't need it at the time, it's like, okay, well, I'll go watch the lecture, I'll read the notes, and I'll just figure it out later. But like doing it later sometimes is helpful as a grad student. Mm -hmm. When you're an undergrad, sometimes being in class is really important. Um, yeah. Sometimes they'll, they'll give you certain tidbits of like, homework number five, probably should do this. And they'll underline it a million times. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I need to know what that yeah. means. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what, how do you not burn out doing all this? Or do you? You don't, you do. Sometimes I did. How do you recover? Um, you gotta know when to pull back. That's what's really hard. So when I did, I'll move past the first semester. So I was in my third semester. Fall is always harder. It just always is. Yeah. I had combustion and I had um, uh, spacecraft systems. Not a big deal. I took it, that was a class I had delayed because I couldn't do three classes in the first semester. So I delayed it to the following year. Great class, love the class. Um, but combustion's really hard. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And I also, in that same breath, had to travel for work and go to the shop I was managing. Oh. So I said, great, so now I have to prepare all of this. We had a business review meeting the same, within the same week. November was when they wanted to send me. So it was just, the whole month of November was just me pushing as much as I can. Right before finals. Right before finals. Um, my, my boss was courteous of that, which I appreciate. Um, but we also were doing a bunch of stuff at LPL. And by then, I was, I had just returned from Paris. So I was already pushing as hard as I can for Valerian to get to its qualifying stage to be able to hot fire. Right. We were busy. So I remember there was one week in October. October got really busy and I got a 60 on the midterm. And I burnt out. I was like, I can't do, I can't do any more homework. I'm just exhausted. And I took a 60. Yeah. And I think I took two. And I was like, I just, everything's done. I didn't go to lab. I told Charlie of my co-RE that I, I can't go. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I need, I need a break. Yeah. And I took two days and I slept most of it. And then I did something that gives me something back. That's something that is hard to find time for. It's not always needed and sometimes it's, it is. But um, every now and then I'll just like grab my switch and do something mindless, like right. play a video game or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or if not, I'll go um, typically I like walks, those are fun, or I'll just do something exercise. Get something that's not in front of something that you have to learn right now. Mm -hmm. Don't learn right now. 
yeah. and I think that was the biggest deal where I'm constantly learning how to do more things at my job because my job responsibilities continue to expand but then I'm also doing that at school I'm learning everything for the first time at school I've yeah. never taken any of these classes before that's why we're here um, and then I'm constantly being humbled at LPL for not knowing enough about rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that like? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I never really... So yeah. be in a place where you just know what to do. You don't have to like think about it. It's something that's super simple, and you just do something. Mm-hmm. So I spent my two days doing that, and it helped, but you have to get back on the horse and go back and do it. Yeah. So. I know all about getting back on the horse. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I didn't even mean to use that reference. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and you recently quit. Yeah, I left Pratt & Whitney. Yeah. Um, so I originally applied to be a PhD student at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, I proposed a project more focused on, like, so without going into really, really intricate detail, yeah. um, it's ejector analysis for rocket engines. Okay. So I wanted to do something a little bit more, fun, a little less fundamental, a little bit more innovative on mm-hmm. injections for uh, liquid-liquid, so two liquid rocket engines. And turns out that that's more AME-focused, and I applied to the wrong department. They wanted me to apply more to AME instead of ASTE. Um, confusing, you would think that the ASTE department right. houses more of, like, in-space items rather than... Um, launch vehicles so a little confusing understandable a lot of the classes you would take for launch vehicles happen to be in the ABME department so it's a little bit kind of counterintuitive yeah regardless um, I didn't get in but I got sponsorship through the gem fellowship program so yeah so I I talked to aerospace Uh, they interviewed me we had a great conversation between my current boss and his boss at the time Um, love the guys they're super cool to work with Aerospace Corporation. Aerospace Corporation. Yes. So the two guys that were talking to me interviewed me. I had the job within a week. That's awesome. Um, so this would be an internship, though. So it was meant to be an internship that would be before my PhD program and then after if they liked me. Mm-hmm. So I called them and I said, hey, I didn't get into the, fe- the PhD program. What do I do? And she said, reach back to the GEM Fellowship, see what they have to do. They wanted me to go to another place, and I was like, I'm not really interested in leaving the LA area right now. I can't move halfway across the country again. I've already done it twice. Yeah. So I just said, you know what? I can't do a PhD right now. I just I don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, um, I talked to Aerospace Corporation and said, listen, I don't have it. Is it? What does that mean for the fellowship? What does that mean for the internship? What do I do? Yeah. And they said, we'll still honor it. So if you want to come, you can. And the HR contact called me on the phone and basically the whole like sat me down kind of thing. <laughs> they said, you have it, but you have to quit your full-time job to get it. So yeah. I need you to be serious when you t- make this decision. She wouldn't let me make it over the phone. And I said, okay. So I said, can I give it to you by the end of the day? She said, yeah, that's fine, but think about it. Um, now that was at around 11 a.m. I called my partner and I said, listen, I, I don't what to do yeah and she was like would this give you the experience you need and I said yes and she goes then take it so I emailed her back um, just so it's in writing that's important right. always put it in writing um, I said I'll take it it's fine we'll go I'll just go forward with it um, they had me starting on the fifth and I said well considering this kind of came last minute what do I do so she said well do you need it to extend we can extend to the 12th even further into june if you need it so i said let's do the 12th i can put in my two weeks and everything will turn out well mm-hmm. uh, that was on the fourth 
and oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> it's june 10th uh, i'm sorry that was i'm sorry go back so the, that was two weeks before the fifth what's that date that I uh, that date that's yeah. fine whatever that yeah. date is whatever in May. That date. yeah so i that was that day or the friday before that day because that's a monday and then weekend i spent thinking about how i was going to give my two weeks i give my two weeks like the first meeting with my boss that i had yeah and he just goes oh okay He's like, I can't, I, I can't say I'm not disappointed, but right. I'm here for your success. And he was incredibly supportive. Okay. I was like, this is cool. And then he goes, are you going to tell uh, his super, his boss, so mm-hmm. my supervisor? He was like, uh, let him know. Let me know if you can't get contact with him. Sometimes he's super busy. He's right. traveling right now. I said, okay, that's fine. I reached out to him. He hopped on a Teams call with me. And I go, so I'm going to give him my two weeks. And he goes, not surprised. <laughs> and I was like, really? He's like, yeah, we figured you'd do it eventually. Yeah. And I was like. I feel like that's fair, but that's not something I really wanted to yeah, hear. Yeah, I wanted to be like, yeah, go, like, <laughs> like go you for your career. But nah, he was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. Huh. Um, funny part is, a lot of my responsibilities that were handed down, some were handed down, and oh yeah, that's finally I got it. And another, a couple things were handed down, and the guy was like, I don't know what I'm doing, and I was like, bro, I don't know what I'm doing. So just uh, make it. Make, no one make ever it. knows what they're doing. No. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just when you learn a new job and skill. I think people forget people forget that when you get more responsibility than you want you are originally supposed to do like your job scope talk to your boss because mm-hmm. oftentimes and this is what I forgot is my job doubled after covid they they pulled in our, our entire team was spread out into two teams and they pulled in our team and then minimized our team so we became I think it was like 10 each team and now we're like 12 total so we removed a whole bunch of responsibility not a problem we're doing like digital stuff that like automates what we do or at the time what I was doing but then my job didn't get easier I just had two I had an extra job right so I fought really hard for a promotion so I was like listen like this is before SC I said listen mm-hmm. if I'm getting an extra job I I want to talk about compensation and how right. we can change that and my boss just said we'll look into it and then he left on military leave. Next boss. Okay, so this is what I was talking about with him. Here's the reasons why. We'll look into it. Nothing. Next boss. Oh my God. Because he had left, moved to a different position in the company within our team. And then my next boss, I told him, nothing. And the week of, so this is this is really funny. The week before I get like an actual confirmation from airspace, we're all doing everything okay. Mm-hmm. They, they will, what, how did she put it? She put it that we will honor the internship. Before she said that, my boss had, go, had said in our one-on-ones, oh yeah, we're, your promotion's in the works. Two days later, I gave my, my two weeks. So that's the funny part, was like the, they were willing to give me after several years. This is now year three of asking for a promotion of which my responsibilities had doubled. So I'm like, listen. Right. So I think if anybody, if you ever get to industry, think about that. That's really important. Like when you get more responsibility than when you were hired on for, and it feels like I'm doing way more and your coworkers are making more than you, that's when you can start saying, okay, so let me put together a package. Right. I gave him 23 bullet points. This is why oh I deserve gosh. a promotion. And here's how much money I saved at company. He still didn't listen. He didn't listen, so that's fine. And I think it's yeah, because- Yeah, for you. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna be honest, I think it was because of the degree program I went to. If I was in AME, they'd probably be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Because really? in AME, think about it, right? 
the return on investment for them giving me mm -hmm. time away from work to do school is focused in aerospace. In their mind, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, right. he's gonna take all these courses, it's gonna be great. But then, at ASTE, when you have Astro, it's like, oh, well, you're gonna do, it's space yeah. engineering. We don't do that here. Yeah. So, that's disappointing, but that's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, well, yeah. I hope they uh, realize how valuable you were <laughs> <laughs> after you leave, just a little bit. I think the petty part of me. Like, <laughs> I wish I could see that happen a little bit. <laughs> Well, what was cool is I got, I got a lot of like, oh, we'll miss you and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. My boss put on like a Zoom call because nobody's near me. So right. they put on a Zoom call with everyone who was working within my group. Yeah. And um, one person called from Europe region, which I worked with them a lot mm -hmm. um, on certain projects because they can, they can be within the same day. That was easy. Okay. Yeah. If it was in the Asia zone, they're in the day b before us. So it ends up being hard to like get them to be yeah. online. Yeah. Um, so I talked to him and he was like, we're gonna, miss, we're gonna miss you being here. And what I'll never forget is he said, You're, you can break things down really well. Thank you for like, you're teaching us on how to do something. Cause I created an entire process that went from an Excel to pulling it all in house, the entire Pratt & Whitney SOW that focused on something, mm -hmm. we pulled it all in house. So we saved all that money that you would spend on an SOW. And we then took it and made it digital, so now it's completely online, which means now you don't need to use Excel anymore, and it can be used by a global, your global team. Wow. So from that shift, I trained people twice on how to use the current process and then how to use the new one. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. So he, it, he thanked me for that, and yeah. I thought I was like, nah, I just, I just need to teach someday. So. You, you do. <laughs> Trust me, from LDL too, like, you're good at breaking things down, so, you know learning so who knows what you'll be teaching probably nothing you even know right now <laughs> yeah, probably point. not <laughs> along those lines do you think that you're ever gonna like calm down <laughs> because you've been oh. going you're 29 I don't know if I should say that no, that's fine that's fine your age oh. um how dare you yeah <laughs> do you think you'll ever like slow down I don't know um I think I want to be in a place where I can have a job that does as much engineering as I'm comfortable with, and I don't have to grow in that area anymore. Mm. I think the hardest part of being an engineer is you have to grow to a certain point where you have a job and you can grow from there, but once you get that job, you can grow within your position. Right. I'm not there yet, and I think that's really hard. So if I get a job right now, even if it's at SpaceX, which yeah. is completely fair, and like they're a great company, mm -hmm. but if I get a job at SpaceX that I don't want, I'm gonna push to get something within the company or outside the company that I do want. Right. So then I'm not gonna stop. Right. Um, but once I'm there, then yes. Yeah. Um, I have several hours to finish on my pilot's license, so I'd like to finish that. Yeah. Um, and then I think the biggest thing that I'd like to do is like with uh, Jenna, my partner. Um, I haven't told you this, so this will be fun oh, for the podcast. Oh yeah. The, right. um, we just we have a dog. So we are getting. You just got. Yeah, we are getting uh, a corgi. Oh uh, she's gosh. old, so she's fifteen. Um, but she was a euthanasia advocate, so she, or not advocate, but a contender, I guess. Uh, if we didn't take her, they'd put her down. So we said, well, oh how she's going? Gosh. And uh, the the rescue director for QBSDR, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> That's the corgi rescue. Yeah, QBSDR. Okay. Um, she 
she called Jenna and said, I have the perfect dog for you. You're, you haven't had a dog before, so this is really, this is a good opportunity. Um, Jenna called me yesterday and she goes, can we do it? Yesterday. And I, and I was oh, like, you know what? Nice. If we can, we can. It'll be hard because, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm still in an internship. So yeah, like, we need yeah. full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, she's old. We don't know how long she has. We don't yeah. know what her medical history is yet. So we'll see. But um, the rescue is funding everything. So the rescue will fund everything while we foster. And That's we'll see how it goes. So like stuff like that. I'd like to move forward right. in that. Uh, get a better place, make more money than yeah. I have now so that I can live in <laughs> L.A. because it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're basically not settling, but... Um, yeah, not settling until we Excited can. to be where, yeah, you can. Yeah, and just, exactly. That's a good answer, Mike. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> okay, so now we have... I wanted to ask you... Okay, well, you said you had inside jokes that you wanted to share, so I want you to I, only, I mean, I only really have, like, one. Okay, well, share the so one like, inside joke. Um, yeah. This is a space of just industry, aerospace. Yeah, industry, aerospace. So we'll, okay. we're going to focus on the jet engine, and it's funny. One of my um, one of my colleagues who worked at <clears throat> who works at Pratt & Whitney now, uh-huh. he, <laughs> he just, like, looks over the wall, because we have, like, tall wall cubicles. It's not, like, okay. half wall. This is when you're in person. Yeah, so okay. when you're in person. And he goes, how does a jet engine work? And I was like... Bro, you work at Pratt and Whitney. Like, what do you what do you mean has an jet engine work? And he just goes, suck, squeeze, bang, blow. And oh, I was like, that's you've what you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> that's what you're referencing yeah. the other day. I, like, it, it I makes just perfect sense. and I were just sitting there like, what? It, it, it makes perfect sense, like from an engineering point of view, but when you say it in the workplace, it's like <laughs> that's not that no. No, absolutely not. And then my boss walked by, and I was like, I swear to God, if he's not laughing, I'm going to freak out. And he just smiled and went back to his business. And I was like, thank God. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Charlie mentioned that the other day. Yeah. I was referencing it. Do you, want, okay, do you know why that's... No, explain. Okay, so an, a jet engine works from sucking in air. Okay. And then squeezing is compression, so you have your... your axial compressor so you have your fan goes into your compressor blades and okay. it spins and makes high pressure mm-hmm. right and then bang is your combustion oh, okay. <laughs> and blow is the back half okay <laughs> perfect yeah a great way to remember you can also just type that in and every bit of meme comes up of all of the jet engines that have that as the joke oh really yeah okay okay yeah, yeah google at your own risk yeah yeah um <laughs> Google at your own <laughs> These are the two questions I that I plan to ask like everyone who's on. Okay. And see what they say. So what's the most meaningful connection that you've made within your professional life and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Um hmm. professional being inside, so like for me, I'm a little different because I worked yeah. while I was going to school, so it like can anywhere. Be either, yeah. What take it as you um if I were going to say growth, as much as I, I had mentors at Pratt and Whitney, um, mm-hmm. phenomenal people, and I will always stay connected with them. Um, but my my best connection that I've ever made is Charlie. Oh, um, I was not hoping because, you'd say that. Not, be, not because <laughs> that I think not because I think that um, I going off of the stereotype that we have in lab. That's always Mike and Charlie. Right. But he he is the only one that's pushed me to like answer interview questions honestly or you have to go learn this it's not this is not something you can just take in five minutes Mm -hmm. or 
kind of pushed me to be better because I had to be. And that's kind of where like being a test engineer for like rocket engines itself is like it's serious because you're next to cryogenic like fluid. Mm-hmm. You could have a cryo burn. You could you could set off an ignition by accident. Um, you could spill kerosene on yourself, which we totally did. So like stuff like yeah. that that is like you kind of have to trust him with your safety a little bit. So like having him be not necessarily a mentor, but a colleague. And I think that's what I needed. I needed a colleague that just wanted to push me to be better. Yeah. Because I had a bunch of mentors. Mentors are great. Mm -hmm. But like, there's a certain point where like, I can't do it with you. Yeah. If I'm your mentor, I can't do it with you. So I have to like guide you, but Mm -hmm. you have to work with your peers. Yeah. So I think that's where I I really enjoyed working with Charlie the most. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, you're just on stand, on. like, not even be able to speak. Like, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> you guys are going to be grow old together. Oh, God. Grow old together. <laughs> um, okay, and then the other question, which I've asked you this before, and you've okay. answered it twice, so you better have a good answer now, oh, is um, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Because oh, I'm 20, and you're older. <laughs> wow. My gray hairs are showing. Yes. Um, I think I want to go back to what I said before is chase mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Find something that you really want and what you think you'll enjoy. That can change. And that's, it's totally fine that that can change. But once you find something, chase it and don't stop until you're like, you know what? That's not worth it. Or you get to a point where you're like, I need to do more. Like, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Because I've changed what I wanted for a career several times. And I think it's important to know that if you want something bad enough, it's okay to keep chasing it, even if everyone's gonna tell you, well, I mean, that's not great, or that doesn't pay well. So it doesn't matter if it pays well, if it's right. fun for you, it's fun for me. <laughs> that's the cool part, it's yeah, fun for me. Yeah. So I, for lack of better understanding, I learned I wanted to do turbo machinery like last week. And I actually didn't know, for lack of me looking up a simple Google search, I didn't know that what I worked on at Pratt Whitney was turbo machinery. I didn't know that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, I said, well, I didn't realize that the only way you're gonna actually operate an uh, industry rocket engine is with turbo machinery. So I was like, well, that's cool. Now I can take everything I learned at Pratt Whitney and try to go learn more about it. Right. So that's really cool. So yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna start somewhere as an academic, as your what is it, your junior year now? Yeah. Chase, you're at a point where you're gonna start taking electives. Mm-hmm. Find out what you want. Yeah. What do you want to do? You said you wanted to be in Mission Control. Yes. Mission Control has so many engineers in it. <laughs> and you, there are so many engineers that do so many things. Yeah. One of them is prop. Yeah. So if you wanna do propulsion engineering, what do you wanna, why do you wanna be in the room? Right. Typically, Mission Control only has a few engineers for launch vehicle prop. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they have a good amount of engineers for second stage. Second stage is more important because second stage holds the money. <laughs> they hold all the things that need to go into space. <laughs> yep, yeah. So you'd have to be working super late, but it'd be so cool. Yeah. So yeah. what do you want to do with that? And that's really important to learn what to do because in all honesty, everyone loves like the design of rocket engines and nozzles. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I can work on a, a rocket engine, but I'm just working on the rotating parts. So that's a little different, but it's still propulsion engineering. Right. So what do you want to do is really hard, but once you find it, just chase it until you don't want to or you find that you like it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a great answer and a great way to end <laughs> it. We did it, yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast and being yeah, the first guest, Mike.
Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Space Feels. Keep an eye out for regularly released new episodes. And thank you so much again for listening. I'll talk to you all soon.